Good morning, everybody. Our second scripture reading today comes to us from Paul's letter to the Romans. This is the very beginning of his letter to the Romans, and so you will see what he has to say to the people there about himself, and it's all kind of one long run-on sentence. So let's listen to God's word for us today. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think there's no, no period until the very end of that whole thing. It's great to be with you today uh, here on this festive and full fourth Sunday in the season of Advent. I want to say hi again to those watching at home online, listening to this as a sermon podcast later, and to all of you who are here today in worship. Um, I have a question for you today. Do you like to watch Christmas movies? Is that part of your Christmas tradition? There's so many Christmas movies. Thank you for the applause. So many Christmas movies um, out there. I wonder um, if that's something you do. Movies, maybe you've seen them many, many times before, but when they come on TV or when you look for them, you watch them again. Turn to someone next to you. What is one of your favorite Christmas movies of all time? Just share with them. Tell them, what's a a Christmas movie that you enjoy? Oh, it's good. Elf. I like Elf. There's a lot of them, aren't there? Um, I'm going to pull us back together from our movie talk. I actually um, asked the Google machine this week, uh, just, you know, what were some of the top Christmas movies of all time, the top 20 maybe, and I didn't want to talk about all of them, but um, some of these came up. I wonder if these came up for you. Um, some Some of the top Christmas movies of all time. Home Alone. Oh, Home Alone with, with Kevin. Um, Elf was another one. This is one I grew up with, Trading Places. This is from a different era. Uh, thank you. Uh, Love Actually. It's another classic. Yeah. Okay, controversial pick, uh, Die Hard. Is it a Christmas movie? I'm not going to divide the congregation on this topic. Uh, A Christmas Carol, uh, one of the classics. Uh, A Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Remember that one? Yeah. Uh, A Christmas Story. Yeah, I got to have that. And It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Very nice. Very nice. Um, The list could go on and on. I mean, this is just some of those. You know, there are so many different stories that are told about Christmas, aren't there? Some of them are in film, um, others are played out in other medium. Um, So I was just wondering, as you think about this idea of a a Christmas movie, and we've seen so many different plots and and stories along the way, if, if we 
were in a Christmas movie this year, if your life was kind of a Christmas movie right now, what part of the movie would you be in? Where would you be in the, in the midst of the plot right now? I wonder where you'd be in the story. Um, you know, because we're not at Christmas Day yet. It isn't Christmas. We're not even at Christmas Eve quite yet. We're in the week leading up to the big event. And in most Christmas movies, they culminate on that, um, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, something like that. And I wonder where we would be in the midst of this. You know, it was in um, Home Alone. It was this week that Kevin McAllister's family fly, fly away and leave him home alone. I think it was on December 22nd, to be specific, actually. I, did, I spent my time calculating that this week. Um, you know, it was sometime this week that George Bailey's uncle in It's a Wonderful Life loses the bank deposit and sends him into such a deep crisis in the film. It was someday this week in um, uh, A Christmas Story when Ralphie and his family go to the mall to meet Santa, who tells him it would not be a good idea to get a Red Ryder to BB gun. Why? You'll shoot your eye out. You know it. In all Christmas movies, across all sorts, uh, whether they're romantic comedies, family films, morality tales, or even action-adventure stories, it's in the days just before Christmas. It's in the week leading up to Christmas when the crisis comes, isn't it? And I'm talking about Christmas movies, but maybe I'm also talking about our lives in some ways. Because one thing that we know from these stories is in the days leading up to Christmas, there's often a crisis moment something that's unexpected, that turns us over, flips us around, makes things different than how we had expected or hoped for them to be. Maybe it's the stress, the worry, an unforeseen issue, the feeling or sense of overwhelm that we can get about all the things we've got to get done. We're at the point in our story where we need to pay attention to what is happening around us because things can turn quickly. You know, this is the week when maybe a diagnosis can rock your family or somebody ends up in urgent care. This is the week when kids get sick or somebody has a fall. Maybe people relapse, fall back into the grips of addiction. The reason we started the Blue Christmas service as a church some years ago was this, this understanding that this time of year can be hard on folks, especially those who've experienced a loss, maybe a long time ago or just in this year. And this week, in the run-up to Christmas, it can be felt so acutely. They should be here. We miss them. They were here last year. A lot of you know that for Advent this year, we are reading scriptures together in, on Sundays that are from the New Testament, but, ha- but aren't the usual typical Christmas story. They aren't telling the story of Mary and Joseph on their way to Christmas. But we can remember that biblical story very easily because we've heard it so many times before. By now, by this point in the story, the angel would have appeared to Mary and told her she was going to be pregnant. By now, she would have visited her cousin Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with John the Baptist. By now, uh, Joseph would have been told in a dream by the angel to accept Mary, his fiancée, who's inexplicably become pregnant, not by him, and he should also support this child who will be born. By now, At this point in the story in the Bible, the emperor would have made his decree that all go to their hometown to be registered so they could take a census and be taxed. By now, Mary and Joseph are making preparations for their trip to Bethlehem. Where are you in your Christmas story this year? 
as you step into the final week of preparation, knowing that next weekend it'll be here, I wonder if you can reflect today, just for a moment, where do you feel prepared or unprepared? Where are you joyful and hoping? Where are you despairing or fearful? Where do you need to do some work and give some effort? And maybe where do you need to rest or let it go? You see, our stories as people are not unrelated to the biblical story. They're not unrelated to God's story in the Bible through time. You know, sure, we're not riding a donkey towards Bethlehem this week, I don't think. Um, We may not be uh, following yonder star. We may not be keeping watch over flocks by night. But we all seek to get to Christmas. We all seek to have our Christmas story end up around the Christ child, just like everybody else in this movie called Life. And the bad news is this, in the days to come, there may be things that turn you sideways, that mess you up, that don't turn out how you had hoped, where you find yourself not very merry, not very bright. Some of us are less bright all the time. Thank you, Dad. (laughs) That wasn't like a laugh line built into the sermon. But sometimes when you're called out by your dad for not being very bright in public, there's good news too. First of all, um, God's people have been through this before. God's people have been through this before. The story of the first Christmas where everybody involved had things that came up in their lives unexpectedly, things they could not handle on their own, just like us. And God is with us in those things, those things that are beyond our control. Remember, that's one of the names for Jesus, Emmanuel. God is with us. This week, you need to know that God is with you in your story. This week, you need to know God is with you this Christmas. The story of Christmas has meaning because it's part of God's larger purpose or plan. And there are things that we struggle with along the way, so we have to trust God in it, even as we seek to know what is God up to this time. I wonder if you remember that old book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, Many of you have read it along the way. One of the habits, I think it's the second habit, is this. Begin with the end in mind. Do you remember that? Begin with the end in mind. Whatever you're doing, if you have an idea um, uh, uh, that you're trying to start out with, begin by thinking about what would the outcome look like? What am I going for here? What am I trying to get to with this? And in a way, I wanted you to think about Christmas that way this year. Begin with the end in mind. What is the end? What is the point? What are you seeking for or hoping for this Christmas? What would you name that as? In Paul's letter to the Romans, and now we're finally all the way back to the Romans scripture, um, he's writing to the church in Rome, and the whole letter is about faith and salvation and how to have a life with God. But here at the beginning, the very first verses of this letter, he lays out something we need to hear if we're thinking about the end being in mind. He says, quote, To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this salutation could be addressed to us, to all those beloved of God in Los Gatos, in San Jose, in Saratoga, Monte Sereno, Santa Clara, Cupertino, those worshiping online, wherever they may be, to all of you who are called to follow God, this is the end 
This is the purpose. This is the thing to be looking out for, the grace and peace of Jesus Christ, which comes to you. I want to suggest to you today that this is a purpose or point of Christmas for us, and in the days leading up to it, to receive or accept or acknowledge or recognize that the grace and the peace of God is for you and is coming to you. That's my prayer for you and your family. It's my prayer for me and my family this week is that we would also see the grace of God and the peace of Christ coming more into our lives. So for your week ahead, how can you make some space for that grace, I wonder, to, for that peace, for a little bit less shame or worry or hurry? How can you offer grace and peace to people you meet along the way? acknowledging they're probably doing the best they can. It often happens when you hear a sermon on a topic, any topic, that the Holy Spirit's at work and something will show up in your life just a few hours or days later where you have an opportunity to apply the lesson. Here's the lesson. Here's the question. Where can you make space for grace and peace to come to you? Where can you show grace and peace to somebody else? We have eyes of faith open this week to see it. I saw an, article, or an interview recently with Gary Haugen. He's the founder and, um, and CEO of the International Justice Mission, the IJM, which some of you are familiar with. This is an organization that works to stop human trafficking around the world. And their work is really hard because they, they, they work to rescue children and especially women who have been trafficked, uh, especially in developing countries. And Gary Haugen has been doing this work, this hard work for decades, um, and he's seen so many uh, tough situations and hard stories. And the, interview, the interviewer asked him what his secret was. How is it that he isn't burned out? How is it that he hasn't given up? How is it that he hasn't just lashed out at the people around him when he sees so much evil in the world? And this is what he said. He said, joy is the oxygen for doing hard work. Joy is the oxygen for doing hard work. Then he went on to talk about the things he does in his own life to cultivate joy, to give himself some oxygen, to allow him to do hard work. He said he goes, he spends time with his kids, he goes out for a run, he gets into nature. Those are his things. And it struck me that if we want to be people this Christmas who receive who receive the grace and peace that God has for us, if we're going to get through the end of Christmas in one piece this year, we've got to make space to receive those good gifts from God and cultivate joy by our own practices, to make sure we don't just hold our breath until it's over, to try and just kind of uh, skip to the end or look too far past it. We want to be in this present moment to find out what God has for us here. So if what St. Paul says is true, that grace and peace is what God wants for us and wants to give us, how can we move toward those things? I think rather than waiting for one big moment, maybe an aha or even like a grand gesture, it is more important to work at it and focus on it day by day, little by little, step by step. So every day we can ask ourselves, how is God giving me grace and peace, joy and love today? How can I share those things, grace and peace, joy and love, with people I meet? 
There was a novel by an author named George Eliot where it says this. There are few prophets in the world, few sublimely beautiful women, few heroes. I can't afford to give all my love and reverence to such rarities. I want a great deal of those feelings for my everyday fellow man and woman, especially for the few in the foreground of the great multitude whose faces I know, whose hands I touch, or whom I have have to make way with kindly courtesy. This is the everyday nature of getting to Christmas, where we cultivate joy because it allows us to continue on. A friend of mine this week gave me a call um, because he told me that I'd been looking stressed out and tired. Thanks, bro. And I don't know if that was true, maybe so, but the whole purpose of his, joy, of his call, the whole reason he called me was he wanted to encourage me, and he said, listen, you need to make some time to do the things that you love, that give you life, that bring you joy. So he said, so he said go for a run, or take a hike, or meet a friend for coffee, or read a book. And so I took his advice this week, and one day I went for a trail run, and then another day I met a friend at In-N-Out for burgers. And for me, it was a good reminder, just for myself, of the everyday nature of cultivating joy so we can get to Christmas in one piece, so we can get to Christmas and receive the grace and peace God has for us. This week, you and I have this chance once again to seek and find joy and grace and peace and love that God has for us, which is actually God's purpose and plan at Christmas. It isn't a movie, and it isn't just a story from a long time ago. This Christmas, God is coming to us once again in Jesus Christ. So may the peace and grace from our Lord and God the Father Almighty be with you today and every day. Amen.